0: once again welcome to breathing new life a podcast exploring and rediscovering new metal past present and future for this episode we actually have a very special interview for you guys Check it out. So today we'll be interviewing Matt Carp, author of New Metal, A Definitive Guide, and New Metal Resurgence. So, Matt, how about you give us a quick rundown of your history with New Metal and how it has impacted your life?
1: Yeah, okay, well, I'm 36 now, but I got into New Metal, uh, I think it was the year 2000, so I was only 14 maybe a bit later than perhaps some some people. But so I missed that very early wave, you know, the, the, the late nineties part. Um, but yeah, basically I was uh, a friend of mine. He had Korn's uh, Follow the Leader and Slipknot's self-title debut. And I borrowed those, uh, listened straight to Korn first. And um, yeah, I was just drawn in from the very first few seconds of the, of, uh, the first track. And from there, um, being in the UK, I was able to get Kerrang magazine every week, and of course, because new metal was such a a big thing all over uh, the musical scope, um, it was able it was, that, that's all it featured new metal bands pretty much. Um, so yeah, luckily in my town, because of the mainstream power that new metal possessed, I was able to pick up all the the new CDs that was coming out. So 2000 had Chocolate Starfish, of course, by Limp Biscuit, White Pony by Deftones. And yeah, the, basically, the addiction was from their Kerrang! Uh, TV channel. They was just showing music video after music video, so I'd be around friends on, for hours on end just watching the videos and ringing up and voting for what was to come next. Um, and yeah, basically, it, the, the whole love of music stemmed from listening to, to Korn's Follow the Leader. That was the album that got me into heavy music.
2: Nice. Yeah, that's, that's a good one to kind of start it off with. And especially around that time in 2000 i mean there were just so many good albums that were coming out and is really kind of peaking uh, and i think that with follow the leader i, I think that was one that kind of really pushed it through the mainstream and really kind of got the whole genre and then of course following that you have lincoln park you know with hybrid theory and that blew up so <clears throat> that's a great time to get started and get introduced into new metal for sure man um so You know, with new Metal having such an impact on your life, um, you know, you you got these books out. What inspired and motivated you to start writing books on new Metal? Well,
1: I've always wanted to be a writer. So from the younger younger age, I was more, you know, possibly thinking of writing for football magazines or something like that. But uh, yeah, then uh, basically after I finished college, I mean, I didn't have any particular qualifications or anything. I just, I've always enjoyed writing. And I always feel like you don't need to have a degree or anything in, in something if you, if you have the passion, uh, the knowledge, and, and you want to work hard and do it. So in terms of the books, I did a couple of self-published books um, just to sort of get my eye in, I guess. And then I did do a couple of versions of a uh, new Metal Resurgence book, which, like I said, was also self-published, which I only did like a handful of copies but especially people in America seem to grasp that because obviously a lot of those bands uh, were from America and I was able to get interviews with some of the musicians and so with the New Metal Definitive Guide I was lucky enough to get a publishing deal at the back end of uh, would have been 2020 now and um, basically the publisher they have a, a set of uh, two series of books that they do and then every so often maybe once or twice a year they'll they'll take on a Different kind of book, and I was lucky enough that at the time I was considering doing another version of the new metal book, and they wanted to take that one on. So I was able to go back, get more interviews, more content, uh, a lot more bands uh, in terms of biographies in there as well, and then also shine a light on the, the new breed of bands that are coming through that are also been heavily influenced by a lot of the, the new metal bands from the, the late 90s and early 2000s. All
0: right, uh, so uh, how much work and research? Really went into your books, you know. How many approximately, like how many hours of research did you have to do for the for these books?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it was a lot. I mean, the new metal book is hundred and fifteen thousand words, I think. Which I guess if you're actually holding the book in your hands, it doesn't look that much, but um, there was about hundred and fifteen thousand words just of content there. But <clears throat> I mean, a lot of it was sort of knowledge of of experience, witnessing things firsthand back in the in the during the the peak of the movement um, but of course yeah the internet is is a treasure trove of allowing all different sorts of research so yeah for the band biographies obviously I was scouring various websites to to make sure I get the information right on some of those that I'm, I was less familiar with um, the interviews they came fairly easy because a lot of the the bat the, the musicians that I featured in the books are, are regularly active online so it's fairly easy to arrange the interviews, record them, and obviously I was I transcribed them then and put them into um, a one solid piece rather than a question and answer platform. It was just a constant, you know, a whole piece as if that musician was basically a, a, a small memoir, I guess, of the of of the, that part of what we was talking about. Um, so yeah, in terms of the new metal books. Uh, so there was technically there's three volumes with the the two resurgences before it. So that was a, probably a five years of my of my life that I've spent working on those uh, actual books. So um, yeah, I just wanted to do the, th- the third one, effectively like a trilogy, I guess, to put a full stop. The publisher has said that potentially in the future he may want to go back and maybe do another update. But as far as I'm concerned, at the minute those books are done. Now I've sort of went up and. Up to date as far as I could uh, at that time. Nice,
2: yeah, and and so you know it's really interesting, you know, get always getting interviews from the bands that are in the scene and, and getting their perspective and and just getting to get more of an insight on their end. I, and I'm sure that you like you're saying like you've had plenty of um, experiences in interviewing uh, musicians. So what I'm kind of curious about is uh, who have been some of your favorite bands or artists that you've interviewed in the past? Uh,
1: well, before I did the new metal. Uh, books I was writing for some music magazines, so I, I still think probably the most, uh, definitely the one I was most nervous for. I, I managed to interview a Head from Corn uh, on the Serenity of Suffering uh, promo campaign they was doing there. Basically, I fought the publisher, uh, the, the the editor of the magazine, to have Corn featured in there because it's a very di- diverse magazine that covers all areas of rock and metal. And actually he felt at the time that corn weren't relevant, and I was like, yes, they, they, they're still relevant and um, <laughs> so yeah, I was basically given say, he he um, I spoke to the the, the p r who was running the interviews, and they basically said, "You know, interview, give us whoever you want, you can have Jonathan monkey, Ray, Fieldie." but I wanted uh, Brian head Welsh purely I think from the the aspect that he was also a writer, so I think mm-hmm. I may have already put the early fits together for my new metal book but also as well as talking about him returning to Corn, and obviously the album that they was promoting I also wanted to talk to him about the uh, his writing as well um, so that was probably the best one and then for the new metal book uh, speaking to Ross Robinson as well that was a crazy one because he was one that I nice. just I basically just because of Facebook like you can send e- um, messages out and they'll either read them they might not even pick up on them And I think, yeah, I messaged Ross and about, it was just randomly two or three months later that I just got home from work and he just sent a message back. Um, I'm in the studio at the minute, but I'm going to be finishing up. Let's talk in an hour. And I I was not prepared for it at all. Wow. No kidding. Yeah. Hmm. um, I think I had to cancel my food because I had some food cooking. I was like, right, fuck it. Let's just (laughs) sit down, write as many questions. Um, And I think we was talking for two or three hours that night after that, um, talking about corn, working with Vanilla Ice, Machine Head, Limp Bizkit, Slipknot. Um, So those are the two. I mean, all the interviews, especially for the new Metal books, were uh, really enjoyable. A lot of content about OzFests, which was one of my main interests because I missed out on the, the OzFest festivals, but hearing the stories and pretty much every band that was on those OzFests would talk about their highlights being partying with Pantera, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Ross Robinson was probably the it's, the, it's the the interview that most people that I've spoke to have sort of comment commented on of um, out of all of them.
2: Yeah. Wow. That's that's awesome. And also for the fact that like, you know, you sent out the message, you're kind of hoping, you know, hey, maybe he'll at least read it or respond. And then, you know, it's just kind of crazy how you're saying two, three months out of the blue. It's like, oh, that's a nice surprise. So that's awesome, man. It is, yeah. Yeah, every. I mean, obviously, there's a certain level where
1: of bands and musicians you know you're probably not going to get unless you've got you know contacts. I guess in the in terms of the PR of their bands and stuff. So I knew that you know Limp Bizkit, Corn. It's quite funny actually. I was talking to Fred Durst on Instagram the other day, but back then you don't sort of you're not likely to get that kind of level of bands. Um, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I like to so in the in the book there's members of Cold Chamber, Spine Shank, Taproot, Kitty, uh, Snot no non-point that's the level of bands i guess i'm more interested in because they're the ones that had to really fight to get their name out there get their music heard they didn't necessarily uh, have the same success as the bigger name bands but they're the ones that obviously they're they're i'm not saying the bigger bands are not appreciative of what they've you know uh, done in terms of success but the the middle level bands they really had to fight for for everything and you know possibly even change record labels and have some dips in the road there and but you know they they still
2: have great stories to tell and great music of course and you know definitely with like the the lower and i hate to put it in that sense but like lower tier yeah you're absolutely right they got to work harder they're road warriors you know and then with more time you know being out on the road it's just more experience and then that also i i could see that where that might even make for like really good interviews because you kind of see them kind of go through the struggle and then also just kind of, you know, cause some of them, you know, obviously achieve some point of success too. So, yeah. and, and I'm just kind of curious. So like, and I'm sure that this might've happened, but have you ever had like an interview with a band, like when they're just first kind of breaking out and they're, you know, they're kind of like still trying to prove themselves and, and get their sound out and then follow up a couple of years later when they've kind of like, you know, hit success or have you had any, any of those instances?
1: Uh, not any sort of mega big bands that I can think of of notoriety now i mean yeah the, the the magazine days just trying to think even off the top of my head it's been so long ago but yeah, there's a lot of new bands coming up there's been a few that's perhaps signed to like nuclear blast them kind of record labels but of course in today's climate the the music the sales and everything like that is not the same as it you know was in the new metal era so i guess it is harder for bands to perhaps get onto that next platform um that next mm-hmm. level it, it, as easy as it would have been in the early 2000s. But yeah, I mean, there's just quite a few bands that uh, have, are still going and still releasing strong material, but not sort of the world beat, as I guess you call them, not the ones that are standing on the top of the stage with Ghost or Five Finger Death Punch or anything like that at the moment.
0: Right. Hey, Matt. So our podcast, we have a focus on featuring newer, me- new metal bands. Jeremy and mm-hmm. I like to share with each other, you know, once an episode, try to find a band that maybe the other hasn't heard of before. And just want to ask, you know, with a New Metal Resurgence book and, you know, obviously being a, you know, still being a New Metal fan and getting to know some of these newer acts, what are some of your favorite newer bands that are coming up from this resurgence of New Metal? Well, I guess I always try and plug them when I
1: can. I've got some good friends uh, over in the Netherlands, a band called Front Street. They still only released one album, which was, cool, that was probably four years ago if that we were me and a friend we went to their album launch show in their hometown yeah front street amazing rap metal band um they managed
0: yeah i've heard them on the uh rock radio new metal station so yeah yeah they're pretty damn good they're doing they've done fairly well
1: because the netherlands is obviously it's a smaller country it's harder for them to get their name out there outside of the country but they managed to I mean, they played the Limp Bizkit after-party when Limp Bizkit played in Amsterdam a few years ago. Um, they've recently shared the stage with Ice Nine Kills, um, Hollywood nice. and Dead. That's pretty they've big got deal. Few, Yeah, every time they're over, they've got a decent, I think they've got a decent um, kind of man, uh, tour management that can sort of now getting them on decent lineups uh, and on stages. Uh, there's an English band by the name of Cross Paths. They did an amazing song called Rampage a couple of years ago. They're... Uh, they're, again, rap metal, um, but they seem to be doing decent things. I think they've got some new music coming out uh, shortly. And I've got a good friend in America, in case he's listening, shout out to Jason Harris from Head Trip Trauma. Oh, yeah. Groove-based groove based metal band. Um, absolutely love what they're doing. Jason's just taken on the lead vocal role, I think, for the for the next um, release while Pete uh, takes a step away for a little while. But, uh, yeah, I really dig what Head Trip do as well. And... Uh, yeah, and a little shameless plug there for Stark who did just make it in, into the last uh, new metal book before <laughs> the the band uh, ceased ways.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was fun for the uh, short little time it lasted, but yeah, I appreciate it. I, yeah, I, I still I still got to talk to uh Jay about that. I I never got I got to get a copy. Um hmm. I'm always yeah. meant to get that, but yeah. It's so. it's
1: ironic cuz it's uh, I think there's as with and I, and I again, I know it's tough in in the the modern climate for even bands uh, coming up you know there's a lot of sacrifice and there's a lot of times where band members will have to move away from the band because they've got to focus on their work or family or anything but i have noticed in the two or three volumes of the new metal books i've done uh, quite how many changes there has been in those bands that are featured um whether it has been lineup changes some have just you know um parted ways completely so it is a shame, but um, obviously mm-hmm. it's, it's very hard, especially today to, to be able to keep going and you know, get something out of it.
2: Yeah, a- absolutely, and, and there's, I think there's so many reasons that contribute to that. I, I think just a big part of it is just, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It, it's good that bands now have um, easier access. Uh, there's you know, there's um, applications and programs to so where you don't need to go pay and drop thousands and thousands of dollars on a really nice studio you can have quality sounding music coming you know just you know from your own house in in a room and yeah. you know if you got the right equipment but with that being said now it's just becoming this overly saturated i mean and you're just a click away anywhere on the internet for just finding a new band you're one of so many now to where back in the day i think you know just word of mouth you know solid shows to where like you know you have that rapport of being like that you know really good band live and then you have that just you know pristine like professional sounding cd where not a lot of us had that back in the early you know or late 90s to early 2000s so so it's good on one end like i said to where you know a lot of bands can can do that now but now you're competing with so many others but and and also you're right i think just with the climate of you know the economy you know and then just for me personally like i'm i'm 41. so when i first started getting into bands around 20 you know, like i didn't have a whole bunch of debt quite yet there was nothing kind of holding me back but yeah you're right though it's just i, I think some of us when it's like you know you got family job and all that other stuff it, it is band. It, like playing in, in a band is just definitely a lot of sacrifice and and i think a lot of people don't understand that the time and effort and also money out of out of your own pocket to get it going, mm-hmm. you know, because yep, obviously, no, no one's going to get you anything, um, you know, because you, you got to get you know good equipment. Obviously, you got to get you know stuff for 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 your live shows. You got to get merch, uh, promotion, like like you know, because you got to help yourself, and you know, especially now. And and I don't know how much you might be able to speak to this, but you know, as far as like you know, record labels, maybe they're helping out on distribution, but beyond that, like. The rest is kind of up to you like that that's all i believe that most nowadays will kind of help you especially for like you know for like hard rock new metal type of bands
1: yeah definitely yeah and i mean again it's been said for a long while that touring is the main way for even the bigger bands to make money now um and <clears throat> in america i mean again i've I've seen especially there's a, a very good scene in like florida in that sort mm-hmm. of area uh head trip as i mentioned are uh, from uh I think it was is it north or north or south carolina so there's shows that they can get but it's whether the crowds are in that in those areas and if you're only perhaps playing to 50 people okay that's awesome that you're getting 50 people come and see your show but if they're not paying buying any merch afterwards and stuff like that then it is um i, I imagine there is a lot of bands that are working on losses um you know consider consistently going out on the road and playing shows but probably not really making anything. So it's good if you can do it for the love um, of music. But of course, there is there is a degree of uh, of needing some sort of profit from it as well to be able to, to maintain it going forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: So, you know, and, and, and I'm actually going to kind of go back a little bit here. I know that you were, you know, dropping some names, which absolutely that's 100 okay like, if anything you know we want to like hear about you know newer bands and bands that are up and coming that we haven't heard of so um you know we did a couple of episodes when we when tom and i first started this uh podcast we were focusing on some european new metal bands but we're talking like the um ones that have been around back in the day like you know twin method playmo um which i think mm-hmm. playmo is actually back now like god i hope they are they're one of my favorite new metal bands but um what bands from Europe that you haven't mentioned yet uh, would you like to see get more recognition to where it's just outside of, you know, either England or, or Europe? Like, like, where, like, what bands do you think deserve to kind of have that recognition, like, worldwide?
1: I think off the top of my head, one that I've always had a real strong liking for, they were from Sweden, a band called Headplate.
0: Oh, yeah. We actually we yeah. featured them in in our, Europe, in our European band episode. I am a really big fan of them. Yeah. I even liked the, the last uh, album they did in twenty twelve with the new. They had a different singer, but it was mm-hmm. actually a pretty good album. It wasn't really anything much like their early stuff, but yeah, uh, I thought that that last album was really good.
1: Yeah, they were really. I really loved the, the album Delicate, which I think was their second one. Um, yeah, they were they were a killer band. Over my way, I'm just thinking uh, there was a good band in Ireland. They only did uh, two albums. A band called Cycle Fly um Hmm. and on that's only one on me too yeah uh on the i think it was the second album which they called was called crave they had a very small period of moderate moderate success i guess they had uh, a song called no stress which was on kerrang which I, i still love that song and i'm not quite sure how it happened but there's also a track on that album so it was 2002 was crave their debut album was called generation sap in 1999 uh, but on Crave they actually had a track called Karma Killer, which featured Chester from Linkin Park.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Wow.
1: Um, I mean, if you look, if I'm just looking on Spotify right now. So the actual album was released by Radioactive Records back then. So whether that was some kind of subsidiary of Warner, which, Ch- uh, which Linkin Park was signed to or how they got Chester on board for that song, I'm not quite sure. But I have got a friend who I think he does his own podcast and I did. I do believe he did have a member of Cyclefly on there a little while ago, so whether he asked about that, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, Cyclefly, if you've not, as you've not covered that band, uh, No Stress is the song that I'd advise to check out first and then, and then go from there.
0: What's the name of your friend's podcast? You can plug it here, it's uh, cool. I was on it as well, I forgot.
1: I I, okay. I was on it.
0: <laughs> a few weeks ago now, but I can't remember now. I, there is one from... Uh... England that I've just started listening to, it's a couple of guys, you know, just all around our age. Uh, it's called Alive or Just Blethering. Okay. It's a it, it's a couple of guys. Just they they take a you know an album and they you know from the you know nineties two thousand era and um, they just talk about it. You know, they their first very first episode was on uh, Hybrid Theory by Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of was I was wondering if it happened to be that same podcast,
2: but I guess not. <laughs>
1: No, it wasn't that one. Uh, Unhailed, it's called. Uh, it was David Fogarty who runs it. Uh, Unhailed, yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and and since we're on the uh, topic of podcasts, I was you know just kind of doing a little bit of digging into you know like like the books you've come out with, and um, I also saw that um, there was a Head for the Barricade podcast, and and I do apologize. Is, mm-hmm. is that still yep. going on? You you still uh, releasing content on that?
1: It's not. No, uh, me and a friend Scott, we set that up. Uh that was four or five years ago now so we was just basically doing it out of my dad's shed we was getting interviews we had sam from limp biscuit on there we was at the start it was primarily new metal but then we managed to get a few contacts who ran pr and we was getting uh different bands as well so we had billy gray from fozzy dot coil from bad wolves skindred uh benji from skindred so we had some good guests on there, but it was pretty hard to maintain. I mean, Scott had a family um, and a new newborn baby coming up. I then got the, the the book publishing deal, so I wanted to focus more on the writing, and so we wasn't able to because he moved out of town as well. We wasn't it wasn't as easy uh, able to link up to do frequent uh, shows. And actually, uh, ironically, in the end, I think it was uh, Universal Music, even though we had a license to to play songs on the shows we actually got threatened with being sued by universal so we uh, oh no <laughs> <laughs> and out of, out of all the songs the one that the, the one song that was that got us in trouble was crazy towns butterfly out of everything we oh, played Lord. oh jeez man <laughs> so they basically gave us three strikes so we did we canceled the first show which was what they asked for then they came back and asked for another one to be canceled so we took that one offline and then they came back with a, uh, right, this is the final one. So it was like, it wasn't worth it in the end. It was just, okay, get rid of them. Yeah, it was fun while it lasted. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was even whether we played music or not, it was, it was hard to, to keep it going in the end. Gotcha, gotcha.
2: Yeah, man, that's, that's crazy.
0: I was going to say, I remember hearing your podcast being mentioned on the Roach Coach podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we every so often we'd shout each other up. Right on, yeah. They talk, they talk a lot about your books
1: i don't know whether they actually lauren who's part of the show i know he did buy the new version so whether they've gone into that one um I, I don't have much time to listen to podcasts so i have heard quite a few of their episodes and a couple of you you guys obviously as you you started out and and but it's yeah i I've, i don't I, I do struggle to have the time to listen to podcasts as, as easily as as i do obviously actual music
0: right on yeah um i'm, I'm actually like way behind on the roach coach podcast i'm catching up to them i'm I'm, uh, on their episodes are still in 2019 so I'm kind of hmm. like I've been I, I listened to them way on early on and then I kind of stopped uh for quite a while there and then decided to, to pick up on listening to them again and you know, like I said uh they they often mention you in your books during their episodes yeah I'll, I'll,
1: I'll shout out to them before and I appreciated them doing that and um yeah if if anything as long as if the book can provide some decent information that people haven't sort of read before or know about then um, that's the whole idea around the book I didn't do them to to make money or whatever it was more just to be a effectively an encyclopedia of new metal if if possible to for other people to pick up and and of course there's always new um, music fans that are coming out that want to perhaps you know perhaps don't know much about corn or something like that and um, they can go back and use that book or or even my corn book that I released after the new metal—it's—it's uh, it's all for for someone just to hopefully read and enjoy, and just pick up and put down whenever they they feel like it.
2: No, no, I just I, I think it's it's great having those out right now, and especially for the fact that you know new metal is kind of coming back. There's there's this you know there is a resurgence, there is like a new wave coming out. So I think you know with these books coming out at this time, it's like perfect timing. You know, and and it is—it's almost like a younger generation that. May not be as familiar, or they may know names like Corner, Slipknot, but maybe they don't know, you know, some of the older albums, or you know, oh, there's also Taproot. Oh, who's Taproot? You know, and so I, I think it's just the timing of of getting these books out is it's it's awesome.
1: Yeah, hopefully, let's so say they they are there. Yeah, I mean the Corn book, and I've got another one coming out on Tools soon. That the they're part of the publisher's series of books which discuss every song from every album. So in in terms of the Corn, when I even go. Yeah, extensively through all the b-sides um the unreleased material basically anything that corn have written uh, and recorded and also touch on the cover songs they've done you know the pink floyd cover and uh, mm-hmm. the devil went down to georgia so everything's in that corn one as the and that's what that will be the same for for tour when that comes out at the end of this month very cool i'll
0: gain, uh, gain a little bit more back to the topic of your books who have been some of your favorite you know bands or music- musicians to interview for your books, and do you have any crazy stories in regards to interviewing any of them
1: yeah i mean i touched on ross robinson so that was probably the the biggest get for the for the new metal book um and there was also i mean kevin uh, jardine from slaves on dope he we we spoke for a, a long time as well um he's got a really great piece in the book the, the main stories that I, I remember and look back on and sort of think off the top of my head now are the OzFest stories. So Spine Shank, for example, Mike Sarkissian. Basically, just the... So the, there was the community feel and the, you know the camaraderie between all the bands, but there was also, uh, as, uh, as Mike put it, they were young, dumb idiots. You put <laughs> a load of young, dumb idiots on a tour, what you expect to happen is going to be carnage. So all the pranks... Um, and I think actually the, the best one thinking now, Mike, Mikey Dolan was tell- from Snot was talking about the the infamous Lynn Strait prank uh, when Limp Biscuit were playing. So they had the, the toilet bowl prop yeah. on the stage. Uh, and, and Lynn, there was a groupie girl that was hanging around on the back of the stage. So he took her on the stage. He was naked. She blew him. Security ran after them. He managed to get away and he ended up hiding in Ozzy Osbourne's locker room or changing room. Um, and Sharon basically covered for him and told told the police that he wasn't there. And they, they they sort of got him out for that at that point. But they basically said to Lynn, you know, you've got to basically go and hold your hands up. And he was arrested. And I think he was taken to whether it was an on-site jail or something like that. And apparently, Mikey, I think he did say that there was due to be some kind of hearing at a later date. But of course, Lynn died in the in the car accident at the end of the before it even went to that but that that actual story obviously of it happening on the stage in front of thousands and thousands of people and yeah and out of everywhere he could have gone he went to Ozzy Osbourne's changing room so that was uh probably one of the highlights but yeah basically anything to do with carnage on those Ozfests and uh all the stories with drinking and partying with Pantera
2: yeah (laughs) yeah and I do remember hearing that one about uh Lynn Strait I was like wow man that's that's pretty wild and I don't know, like just just you know, with, with you talking about, it, I was thinking, I was like, man, I feel bad for Sharon. You know, she she probably was just had to play the role of babysitter because I mean, Ozzy's a little crazy himself. You know, like that guy yeah. likes to get into some stuff. So I can only imagine what it's like, you know, behind the scenes of of an Oz, Ozfest back in the day. You know, it's just like, man, I got yeah. a bunch of these got a bunch of these kids. I gotta you know make sure that they're not doing anything too crazy. But yeah, it's yeah.
1: I think she was clearing up after everybody's mess just constantly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's like man it's pretty wild pretty wild so awesome man so yeah we have several books i'm showing here uh we own the knights it's the underground of modern american hard rock scene came out in 2016. you have your new metal resurgence where uh there's versions from 2018 19 2021. uh you got a, a book coming out um actually it's uh here in a couple of weeks uh, the every album every song for tool i I saw Uh that that's coming out right
1: yeah i've got that one in in three three months as well i think i've got one up well providing it's done in time um got one on faith no more coming out as well but yeah tool is the next one 26th of july i think something like that
2: oh that's great and and then um so it's available what amazon.com google books books a million uh is there is there any other sites that people can go and, and buy your books uh, yeah, so
1: this is, these books, the publisher has global distribution. So in ter- I think the tour one, it's out in the UK at the end of this month. There's a two-month gap between America and the UK. Um, so I believe tour should probably be uh, September. But I know that Amazon America, you can pre-order it from there already. Um, just thinking of America, Barnes & Noble, they're also stocking them. I'm not sure about in the actual shops, but I know that on the on the websites. And then yeah, UK. If there's any UK listeners, uh, Amazon's probably the best place because I see they seem to do a lot of discounts on on those type of books. Uh, Waterstones, Australia, uh, Booktopia is the I think that's one of the leading books book uh, online book sites in Australia. They they have it. And yeah, basically Japan. Um, I'm not sure about actual websites, but it is available pretty much most most countries uh uh around yeah so luckily i was able to or the publisher i guess has um good distribution contacts good deal
0: well that's about all we have for you right now man anything else you'd like to share with us or, or plug right now um
1: not not i can think of off the top of my head but thanks for having me on the show um yeah i mean I, hey thanks for coming th- on buddy yeah new metal is like i say is is thriving there's there's uh so many What uh, we were talking about earlier, like the lower level bands, they're getting vinyl pressings now, which is great to see. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it it really is, it's coming back. All the big bands generally are still going and they're still bringing out great music. Um, There's new bands coming through that have those same aesthetics. And yeah, it's just a great time to, obviously we can be nostalgic and think back to those late 90s and early 2000s. Um, but also, we're witnessing something now which is quite nice and fresh as well.
2: All right, Matt. Well, yeah, again, appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck with all of your books that come out. Um, we'll be looking forward to seeing uh, more in the future as well. And, uh, yeah, so everybody, Matt Karp, be sure to check out his books. I, I think uh, we'll, we'll call it good here, buddy. We appreciate it.
0: Yeah, okay. Thanks, guys. Take care. Appreciate your time, Matt. All right. But- Thank you. Cheers. Hey, you too. All right. Thanks once again for listening to our interview with Matt Karp. And we have another interview episode coming up, probably in a few days here, hopefully. Make sure to check it out. And remember to keep it new. Yeah, Jeremy's not here to stay with me. Sorry. Peace.